Well, good morning, everyone. Well, actually, Merry Christmas. Okay, I know it's a little cold outside, but we can do a little better now, okay? You can be as excited as the kids were up front, okay? Merry Christmas, everyone. There you go, there you go, okay. And also, if you want, if you want to hoop and holler during my sermon, as the kids, please do so. I really thrive on um, interaction here, okay? And so, uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, as Rafe mentioned, my name is Pastor Noah, pastoring Park Hyde Park. And uh, today, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Luke 2. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, please turn to Luke chapter 2. And uh, really, we're finishing off our Advent sermon series together on this Christmas morning. And as a reminder, I've been telling at least our folks at Park Hyde Park that Advent is a time when we joyfully look backwards to the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who came as a baby in a manger that was just read right now, to live and to ultimately die for our sins. But Advent is also a season to look longingly forwards, where we anticipate the future coming of Jesus, not as a baby, but in might and power to make all things bright and new. And so for us, we sit in between these two realities, this past arrival and this future coming, and it should change the way we as Christians are to think, to feel, and to live our faith in this world. So in the past few weeks, we've been going through the book of Isaiah, but today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you got it, say, I got it. it. All right. Let me read from verses 8 to verses 20. Here we go. Reading from the ESV, it reads, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Father, we thank you for your word this morning on this um, cold but yet beautiful Christmas morning. I pray, oh God, that as we spend some time now on your word on this Christmas morning, God, fill our hearts with awe and wonder and let us be people who truly remember not just the past event that happened 2,000 years ago, but remember the good news that it presents to us now so that we could be hearers and doers of your words after um, this day, even as we go to the rest of our festivities, our times throughout this week. May you be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Now, uh, imagine with me for a little bit. Imagine that you believed in aliens. Okay, just, just imagine for a little bit. I know it's kind of a strange request on Christmas morning, but just imagine for a moment. And imagine these aliens decided to land in Chicago on December 1st, 2022, to learn about Christmas. Okay, what would they see during this Christmas season? They might see the colorful lights, the decorated trees, and all the festivities covering the city. They might hear songs about snow or angels or a baby that's cold outside. They might taste gingerbread cookies or sip red cups filled with peppermint mocha. They might also see the symbols of reindeers, of snowmen, and a big old man in a red suit and a strange scene of people and farm animals gathered around a baby. They might also experience people constantly on the go, driving, delivering, walking, meeting, eating, or going to different services or school recitals or work or acting like they're working but really watching a soccer game on their computers. You know, stuff happens in Christmas time. A lot of different things going on. After an entire month of observing our society go through this Christmas season, what do you think they will conclude about Christmas? Is it a celebration? Is it a time not to work? Is Christmas for everyone or just for those who believe in something or have family around or have resources? Is the message of this Christmas to spend time with family, open presents, listen and sing about love and cheer, our spread joy and peace on earth? I think they would be really confused on what Christmas actually means. But honestly, are you a little bit confused as well? Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, if we look at our actions this past month, or even the thoughts in our hearts this past month, do you really live and know what Christmas is true, truly is to you? My overarching question is quite simple for today that I wanna get at, but yet also challenging. What is the purpose of Christmas. What is the purpose of Christmas? And today I want to help us understand Christmas a little bit more on this day with three questions I want to walk through in Luke 2. And here they are. Who is Christmas for? What is the message of Christmas? <clears throat> and how are we to respond to Christmas? So let me just begin. Who is Christmas for? If we look back in our passage in verse 8 of Luke's account, the first people to hear about the wonderful news of the birth of Jesus Christ outside of his parents, of Mary and Joseph, are these shepherds watching over their sheep. Now, we don't have many shepherds or even sheep in here in Chicago, so it might not mean much to us. But for a person living in first century Israel, shepherds would have been a really odd group of people to hear good news first especially if this news is for the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior that Israel was waiting for centuries and centuries for. Why? You see, those scripture, if you look throughout all the scriptures, shepherds are often, you know, honorable trades because people like Moses and David were shepherds. But in this time, shepherds were often labeled as less than ordinary or maybe lower class you know, there are some historical documents even associating shepherds with the same class as tax collectors, those who were not really thought well of in that time. 
And some scholars also say that because of their occupation, religious leaders would deem shepherds as unclean because their practice of tending sheep often involved contact with dirty and dead things, thus making them unable to enter the temple to worship and becoming really a religious outsider. Now, this view is sometimes disputed and it might be a little bit extreme, but they might just have been regular working class people in Bethlehem. But what I want you to look and notice is when the angels delivered this news to the shepherds who were watching their flock or who were basically working. Look in verse 8. At the end of verse 8, it says, by night. Today, what kind of occupations do you usually associate with working by night? A gas station attendant, a security guard, a hotel receptionist, a janitor, a bartender. Now hear me, there is nothing wrong with these jobs, but society as a whole, you know, we often classify jobs that you work during the evening hours as ones that are less desirable, ones that, you know, are not as up to par with those that you work during the daytime. Similarly, I think we often see Christmas for those people who have, for those people who are insiders, maybe in families or friends or religion, like close family friends or other people who are in our church or those who are spiritually put together. Like Christmas is for those people. But if we look at the entire audience that first sees the birth of Jesus, we see Joseph, who was a lowly carpenter and Jesus' you know, earthly father, if you can say. Mary, the virgin mother, probably a young teenager and viewed by many often as an adulterer because they were confused about this virgin birth. And then also, we just read with the children, the three wise men in Matthew's gospel were religious and ethnic outsiders unwelcomed by the Jews. And then we have the shepherds here who are obscure, forgotten night workers that were tending sheep. What am I getting at here? Christmas is for the less than ordinary. Christmas is for the forgotten and the neglected. Christmas is for those whose society might consider unclean or outside the city limits. Christmas is for people in the dark, in need, and frustrated with life or maybe even religion. In other words, Jesus the God of this world, becoming fully man and fully God, was born where people need him most. He wasn't born or announced to those in a religious epicenter, like a temple or even a church. He was not born or announced to the political or cultural elites in a palace or in a government building. He was born and announced in a humble manger around shepherds and farm animals. So who is Christmas for? Christmas is for anyone who has felt like an outsider, who has felt broken with life, or frustrated with religion, and who is considered lonely and someone who knows they have a need. Christmas is foremost for you. And without first realizing that condition on who Christmas is for, it will be very, very difficult to understand what the message of Christmas truly is. Which leads me to my second question. What is the message of Christmas? 
If we go back to our passage in verse 9, we see the angels appear before the shepherds, and they were filled with great fear. You know, let me just pause here for a moment. You know, notice that the, it isn't the glory of the angels in verse 9, but it's the glory of the Lord that shone around the shepherds in verse 9. You know, the shepherds, they probably were afraid of the angel. Like, you know, you don't normally see an angel when you're working in the middle of the night. But for the shepherds, I believe they were actually more afraid because they encountered the glory of God on that night. And they were not just frightened, like, ah, oh, I'm scared. No, they were scared for their lives. Why? Because if we look again throughout the rest of Scripture, what we see is that when human beings encounter the glory of God, whether it be Moses on the mountain or the inner room of the temple, if you are not careful and you encounter, even touch the glory of God, it could mean death for you. Because God's glory is perfect in holiness, in righteousness, and goodness. And if it encountered any of us sinful and broken people who fall short of God's holiness and sin that is in us, God's glory will judge you right then and there, and death would be the outcome. But the angel, in the presence of God's glory, he says, amidst all of that, do not fear, you will not die. Instead, in verse, uh, in verse 10, I believe, in verse 10, he says, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let me just say that again. I will bring you good news, literally, the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. And then verse 11 tells us the content of this joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news is that the long-awaited Messiah has finally come. For centuries and centuries, the people of Israel were waiting for a Messiah to come and rescue them from the oppression of foreign enemies and political powers, but for more importantly, to release and save them from the oppression that sin and brokenness and death had on every single person. The very sin that made us unable to withstand the glory of God. And through many, many silent nights, God seemed to be absent for the Israelites and even for all of humanity. God had almost seemed to have forgotten them. But on this night, God speaks so clearly. God said, I am here. I have not forgotten you. Here I come. And the angel uses three titles, and they're really easy to miss for us, especially if you've been in the church, but he uses these three titles of the one who is to come. And I think I have this, the, the titles up there. He first says he is savior or deliverer, meaning that he who comes will rescue humanity from everything. And as John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And number two, the second title is that he is Christ or Messiah, which literally means anointed ones, that he embodies the full glory and holiness of God himself. He is perfectly God and perfectly human. And number three, the, the, the third title is he is Lord, meaning that he is ruler over all, that he is the one who has authority over all creation and kingdoms past, present, or future. 
So with all the power and the glory and the authority, this one decides to come as a baby in swaddling cloths, literally strips of cloth, not in silk, not in organic fair trade cotton, not in an upper baby stroller or a West, Northwestern hospital, but in strips of rags and placed in a manger or a better translation is in a feeding trough meant for animals to drink from. This is the one who embodied humility amidst his glory. He has been born today. This is the one who will not only bring you great joy or you great joy, but joy for all people on this earth, past, and pre past, present, and future. This is the one who one day will take upon your brokenness, your sins, and nail it on the cross where he'll experience the judgment and death that we all deserved. But if we choose to believe in him by faith through grace, by faith through grace and make him Lord and Savior and Christ over all of our lives, we will be able to experience the true joy the angel was talking about. A joy where we won't be bound by the desires of this world, the sins and the brokenness of this world, but because of Christ's resurrection power, we will be able to be filled with the very presence of God in our lives. The message of Christmas is that you have not been forgotten. Christ has come to save you. Saying to all of us, instead of my glory bringing death, my glory will now dwell with you so that you may have life. The last question then is within that message, with that message, how are we then to respond? We see a lot of responses to the rest of the text. In verses 13 to 14, we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel's response to Jesus' coming is to singing and praising. And it isn't just one angel here. It's a multitude of the heavenly host, literally an army that no person can count, that this display would put any earthly concert to shame. They were singing and praising. And then if you go down further in verses 15 to 16, we see the shepherd's response. And for them, they immediately go to Bethlehem to see the Messiah in the major. Their response was to go and to see, to look upon the face of the one who is to save them, possibly even leaving their sheep behind just so they can see the Messiah. And then in verse 17 to 18, we see that after they see Jesus, they then tell others of this child. And we see in verse 18, it says that everyone who heard about this child from the shepherds, they wondered. Or better translation is that they marveled. They were amazed at what they had heard. So the shepherds' response was to go and see Jesus so they could tell others about him. In a way, these shepherds were almost the first evangelists of Jesus in this time. And then in verse 20, they join the angels as they sing and praise God for what they've seen. And last but not least, we then see Mary in verse 19. And she treasures all of this and ponders these events in her heart. Another way to translate this is that she meditates on this amazing and beautiful event. You know, probably as a teenager, she may or may not have fully understood what was going on. And so for her, she wants to 
take in and remember the significance of this event and appreciate it, and later on, she might fully understand it later on. For Mary's response, she was to ponder and to treasure. You know, I could have gone into way more detail on these responses, but all of these three responses, you know what it all summarizes into? And it's our main response as Christians for this Christmas season, and it is to worship. It's to worship. There are so many definitions of worship, but let me just share one that I, um, I, I feel like it's appropriate for today, and it's from a pastor, a well-known pastor named John Piper, and he defines worship this way. He says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love and serving others for the sake of Christ. The only response to Christmas, a message of great joy for broken people like you and me, is for us to worship. It might be in the form of singing and praising like the angels here. It might be in the form of gazing upon Jesus and telling others about Jesus like the shepherds. It might be in the form of meditating and treasuring God in your hearts like Mary. Or it might be like other acts of worship. It might be in our generosity to others, in our service to others, especially those who are forgotten in society, in our obedience to, um, to obey God and God's word together, and so much more. Our response to Christmas is worship. And so as I begin to wrap up here, let me just circle back to the first question I asked. What is the purpose of Christmas? And if I were to summarize this, it would be the purpose of Christmas is to worship and proclaim the God who has come to rescue broken people like you and me. Let me just close with this story. You know, I grew up in an immigrant household. My parents were both immigrants from Korea. And um, growing up, my, my parents didn't really have much, uh, many, many means to provide gifts for us um, under that Christmas tree. And so, you know, though we had a Christmas tree, we really... You know, my parents really struggled to put Christmas presents for us, for my brother and I, as we were growing up. But I remember this one Christmas. Um, this one Christmas, a few days before Christmas Day, in the night, before, right before my brother and I were going to sleep, we hear a knock on the door. And we're like, who is this? You know, in the middle of the night. And this person walks in, and my, my mom opens the door in our small apartment. And as she goes to the door, there was this person who who, you know, I, to this day, actually don't even know the name or even the, the gender of this person. But on this day, she dropped off a ton of presents for our family. I don't know why, I don't know how she heard, but she did. And there were, these were the most presents I've ever seen as a kid growing up. And we put that under that Christmas tree, and the presents were, like, bigger than the Christmas tree. And it was quite an amazing moment where there were no words to describe that moment for me. You know, to this day, that memory, even those images are seared into my mind and in my heart. Every time I think about it, I'm, I'm so humble, I'm so grateful, and it, it brings me this joy really like nothing else. Because that moment, it, it, it really changed my life in a little way. Where a child was gifted, um, where for me as a child, it was, we were gifted these presents that we didn't deserve or we had no idea where they came from. 
And for us, as we think about, um, you know, for me, I, I mean, for me at least, when I think about this moment, it actually also convicts me and it, it challenges me of what true generosity is and really what Christmas is. And even it's for those who are the unnoticed in our society. And, you know, when I think of this memory, I think it also reminds what Christmas, be, Christmas should be for all of us. That when we are to think and remember Christmas, there should be this deep, abounding response of gratitude and joy and worship. Because on that day, 2,000 years ago, it changed our lives forever. Where a child was gifted to undeserving people like us in the middle of an obscure night so that we might be saved and have eternal life. This is the story of Christmas. Christ has come and he has saved you and he loves you. He has not forgotten you. It is the good news of great joy to all people. Amen? Let me pray. Father, we are so grateful. God, we're so thankful for Christmas, for your coming, your, you coming incarnate into this world. Not, we, God, you didn't have to, God, but you did. And God, on that obscure night, you revealed yourself to shepherds, to three wise men, to Mary and Joseph, to some farm animals. And God, we as people 2,000 years later can now know and see that this is truly good news for all people because you did not just come to be born, but you lived and died and resurrected, defeating sin and death so that we could have life in you. Thank you so much, God. Challenge us, remind us, God. For those, God, who do not maybe know this story personally, God, I pray, oh God, that this story through your spirit would convict and challenge and encourage them, God. For those who need this reminder this Christmas morning, God, in a season of maybe frustration or hardship, God, I pray that this story would encourage and give them greater joy than it did before. And for those who might need to respond with deeper worship, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, lead and move us out. May Christmas not just be the old news that happened when we go on today or tomorrow, God, but may it truly impact and change us as we go forth throughout this week and the new year as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.